everyone, and welcome back to another episode of NYY Takes. This is officially our first off-season episode. The Rangers defeated the Diamondbacks in Game 5 of the World Series just last night to secure their first ever championship. But before we get into all of that, Yankee fans joining me today, are we happy? Absolutely. The off-season's here. Now it's time for shit to get wild. Let's see what happens. That was a very telling response by Les, I think, and indicative of how the last year has gone. The off-season's here. Now's when shit gets wild. (laughs) (laughs) Not when the games are being played. Shohei Otani is out there. Juan Soto might be available. Hal needs to just take a bunch of NDMA, sign off of some (laughs) wild trades, and we'll be happy come spring training. Okay, so the 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 answer you, we can just end the podcast now and say how did the Yankees offseason lock Hal in a room, give him a bunch of Molly and see what happens. <laughs> that's that's how that's how things will turn around. Cool. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. No, I guess the first thing we need to kind of discuss is uh, the sheer amount of former Yankees on the Rangers, getting some getting another ring, some getting their first, and the names are pretty funny. Most notably, so the four names are Araldis Chapman, Nate Ivaldi, Jordan Montgomery, and Andrew Heaney. You could also throw in Zeke Duran if you wanted to. Could even go with like a rogue Josh Smith edition from the from the Yankees farm system. He was on the Rangers some point. Might have even been last year, but I think some point this year. How does it make you guys feel that Araldis Chapman is a two-time World Series champion? Andrew Heaney has won a championship. And perhaps the most heartbreaking of them all, Jordan Montgomery is a World Series champion. All not with the Yankees. All pretty pretty big contributors to the Rangers having won the championship as well. It's not like these were guys were riding the pine as their team was going all the way. They all played key roles. I think the guy and that I gets think, the absolute Oh, sorry, go right ahead. No, I I, I was I was just gonna say I, I think that the one I mean the loss of Nate Evaldi. And the Nate Valdi's best days being on teams other than the Yankees is something I've complained about for a while, so I don't really need to go there. But, you know, this is a played-out talking point at this point, but Jordan Montgomery, who famously wasn't going to start a postseason game with the Yankees, yeah, playing a key role in the Rangers going all the way, just it adds insult to injury. I love it. I love the fact that he wore number 52 with Texas. He gets the absolute loudest, thunder, most thunderous, last laugh in this whole this whole trade saga i mean harrison bader didn't even make it to the end of the season with the yankees jordan montgomery's out here getting world series rings so you know good to him good for him he's a free agent at the end of the year would love to see him come back it would cost him a, cost the yankees a whole lot of money for him to come back but i'd love to see him back in pinstripes yeah i mean it's only fitting you know when you look back at the beginning of this postseason the teams that you think that them winning would be like the biggest, like, oh, look at how bad the Yankees and look at how pathetic the Yankees are thing. You would think those would be the Orioles, the Blue Jays, or the Rays. But then there were the Rangers sitting right there for the taking who got rid of Isaiah Kiner for Leffa back in the day <laughs> um, and, you know, made the trade, traded away Joey Gallo to the Yankees, who was a huge part of the Yankee problems. Mm-hmm. Also rostered all four of these players, specifically Araldis Chapman, who was hated by Yankee fans, and Andrew Heaney, who was hated by Yankee fans, and Jordan Montgomery, who was basically 
chastised by the front office as someone that couldn't really be an addition in the postseason. And it's like, oh, wait, while we thought that it was all these AL East teams that were going to stick it to the Yankees, it was just the Rangers who were basically Yankees South, apparently, and have, funnily enough, been like the team to give the Yankees most of their problems in terms of personnel. The, the, the Gallo trade was like the beginning of the end for everything that's wrong with like the Yankees right now, I think. Feels a little ironic that the Rangers would be the one to to win the World Series, also being the fact that they practically purchased this entire roster. So maybe the Yankees just need to go back to buying all their players again. That's how they won the not last bad, World Series that they won. Not a bad idea. Open up the wallet. Don't worry about chicken buckets. Get a ring. Yeah, I mean, I think I remember back in 2021 when we were doing all, like when Correa and Seager were free agents. I remember, I mean, I remember myself banging on the table for Corey Seager I'm, he is one of my favorite players, so I was a little biased at the time. Uh, but, like, Jeter was talking about it in a post game for one of these World Series games about how, you know, the type of demeanor that Corey Seager has and the, the very quiet, composed leadership that he brings to the Rangers, uh, a, a veteran presence and a guy that performs really well on the field and is kind of like a DJ LeMayhew in a sense, where he seems to be pretty soft spoken, but. Will get pumped up in big moments. Seager is almost to me like everything, like so much of what the Yankees are missing now, which was just like a true leader. And, and while you know, obviously Judge is there, I, Seager was a World Series champion, shortstop, kind of in the middle of everything. So it breaks my heart to see him win a ring and have it not be with the Yankees because I think he would have been overly helpful to this organization. Granted, you have all this stuff, you know, what would have happened with Volpe and all of that. But you look at the Rangers, and I think you see uh, a lot of things that remind you of all the bad stuff that the Yankees have done over the last three years. That's fair. Think about where the Rangers would have been if Jacob deGrom had been healthy. Yeah. For the whole season. I mean, Rangers. even, even even Scherzer, who, like, was healthy, but, like, couldn't really get through more than three innings at a time. What were you going to say, Les? The Rangers are going to be an interesting team for the next couple of years because they have DeGrom coming back. You can expect at some point to see Jack Leiter take the mound for the Rangers. Like They're they're going to have an interesting rotation for the next few years. Yeah, I mean, and you it, have to wonder... I die inside. Yeah, I mean, you have to wonder how sustained or sustainable what the Rangers did actually is. Uh, because, you know... To some degree, they they spent a ton of money to try to win as soon as possible. They made a bunch of trades to try to win as soon as possible. So the core is there, but at the same time, they did get a very favorable matchup in the World Series. And this is not to take anything away from what they did, but playing the Arizona Diamondbacks in the World Series as opposed to the Philadelphia Phillies is a somewhat of a stroke of luck for a team that was thinning out, dealing with injuries. Which I guess brings us to the point of how much of this World Series did you actually watch? Because I watched maybe in total, and I hate to say this as a huge baseball fan, in total maybe nine innings. I watched no innings. <laughs> Zero. I watched no innings of this World Series. Once uh, once the Phillies were done, my attention 100% turned to football season. Like, I, 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 like once the Yankee season is over, I only have like a... a 
a small interest in who actually wins the World Series. And then obviously once the Phillies were done being done in Pennsylvania, I really didn't care. Fair enough. I watched most of Game 3. I specifically tuned in in the third inning so that I would not have to watch Luis Gonzalez a hundred times <laughs> in the first yeah. in the pregame in the first couple innings. That would have been too much. Yeah, I mean, it's a little concerning. It's like two things. One is it got such horrible viewership. Nobody was watching. Even baseball fans weren't watching. It's a matchup that nobody really cared about. That's one problem. Whereas like baseball is such a local sport. The only the only World Series that people are going to watch are the ones where they're in the big markets or it's a big rivalry or whatever it may be. But the other thing is that then there was all this discussion about, like, is the playoff format broken? And that concerns me because if we're going to try to build a format that tries to optimize for, like, the best teams to make the World Series, aren't we, like, just kind of defeating the whole purpose of the tournament? So you have to find some sort of a balance between how do we make this not as random <laughs> and crazy versus, you know, how do we make sure the sport doesn't die? I'm, a firm, yeah, I'm, not oh. the, I'm not the person to talk to you about this because I'm very much I have. This is my this is my one big get off my lawn take mm. that expanded playoffs are stupid and we should go back to. I agree. Three division winners. I, honestly, I would go back to three division winners and one wild card. I would be okay with going back to two wildcard teams if they were to play a best of three instead of the one game playoff that I could live with. But I just, I really feel like the number of teams now, how easy it is to get in. It just, it cheapens the whole thing. Why bother playing 162 games? If all you have to do is win 84 of them and then get super hot for a two week stretch, which is literally what happened, but that's exactly what happened with the diamondbacks. So Last, what are your what are your takes? I I don't know. Like, I've I've always been a firm believer in the best team wins the World Series. Like that really is like winner. Like depending on the, it doesn't matter who the, how the format is. They keep shoehorning these teams, multiple teams into the playoffs. I I just think the best team wins, and that's I don't know. Like that yeah, being the old man in the group. Like I just think that it, that's that's the way that it works, but. No, I think Matt is right. They're just going to keep screwing with the format to get, to get more teams in, to get more postseason dollars, to get more TV revenue. And there really isn't much that anybody can say to Rob Manfred because he just keeps banking all this TV cash or streaming service cash. I mean, I guess maybe that's the only thing that's going to change the format when the cable revenue dollars don't come in because the cable providers aren't making as much because people are cutting the cord. That's the long-term problem that baseball faces. It's hard to like balance what I what I like what I want to see from baseball, but I think I agree. Overall, it's like we don't need that Phillies Marlins wildcard series. And it it's unnecessary and the Marlins are bad and we don't need these bad teams just playing two games so that you know someone can make a little bit more money. But at the same time, we need to make sure we're not like totally optimizing for like a situation where the the bigger market teams with the most payroll who can buy the most players are the ones that are going to be able to go the distance. So you make a good point, too, though. It's like baseball is a game where 
it's not always about the top 1%. It's about who actually is the, the 99% of, of baseball markets. Like selfishly, we want the big market teams because we're Yankees fans. We, you know, everybody else sucks compared to the Yankees. But literally the team, we talked about this before the before recording, the San Diego Padres just got insanely spend happy in the last offseason. Now they have to take out a $50 million loan. They're not going to afford to be able to keep Juan Soto going into next season. And I don't think they even made the playoffs. You know, the Rangers are, are a team that came back from finishing dead last and losing 100 games here and there. And now they're World Series champions. Like, that's what makes me so optimistic about what could happen for the next season of, of Yankees baseball. Like, if the Rangers can do it, why the hell can't the Yankees do it? You have to assume that yeah. they have a smarter management structure, even though that's to be debated. But why not? That's the beauty of baseball. Any team can I mean, win. Yeah, like the Yankees are better than the Diamondbacks. I don't care that the Diamondbacks made the World Series. The Yankees are a better constructed team than that team. Um, what I wanted to say earlier was that, yes, we can talk about how and you know we can agree on how screwy the new playoff format is. At the end of the day, though, the Astros were up 3-2 and the Phillies were up 3-2. We were a game away from a rematch, which I think would have done very well viewership-wise. I would have been locked in for all of those games. And mirac- miraculously, both of those teams erased a 3-2 deficit. And now here we are with nobody watching the World Series. So maybe we're overthinking it and it's just like luck of the draw. Like it just happened to be that the two teams that we viewership-wise couldn't win both one because there's also the argument, you know, the Astros have been the ALCS seven straight seasons. So there is a way to get sustained success here. So I don't know. I mean, every year it seems like we run into the is baseball dead narrative. Attendance was up this year. I think baseball, uh, especially the regular season was a lot more exciting this season just to like consume and watch on a nightly basis, you know, as an, as an unfortunate as it might be to like, have it be the case i think that helps with the growth of gambling in the u.s and honestly i'm fine with people betting more if it means they're going to be watching baseball and keeping the sport afloat so so by all means do what you got to do there i mean look obviously not the best thing for baseball to have basically a toilet bowl of a world series hopefully not the end of the world and maybe next year we're just waiting for that yankees dodgers banger of a world series and it's been hoped for every single year and we just haven't gotten it but maybe next year. So that's enough about the non-specific Yankee stuff. Uh, I think we need to talk about the Sean Casey parting of ways. We want to call it that. Uh, so Sean Casey said on this podcast he didn't return to the Yankees because he wants to spend time with his daughters. Sure. Great. I'm very happy Sean Casey made that decision. Those are my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Moving right along. It sounded like there was going to be a that was it sounded like the world's biggest pregnant pause right there. But that was literally that was it. That was the only thing on your mind. No, that was it. It look like I actually think that both sides were like, all right, let's be honest. This is not going to work and be what we want it to be. You know, you were hired because we needed someone in a in a jiffy. And he was boys with Boone and they brought him along for the ride for the last two miserable months of the season. Season ended. If Sean Casey's making this decision now, this is obviously something that was important to him beforehand. It's not like he just woke up one day and was like, oh, got to go spend more time with my daughters. But he probably saw this as an opportunity, like be in the Yankees clubhouse for two months. And they wanted to, uh, at least in the ether, make it amicable. 
And I'm sure it was behind closed doors too. And like, what better way to just be like, yeah, I want to spend time with my daughters. So everything's for the best because there's there were too many Yankee fans out there being like, you got to bring back Sean Casey. And they would just point to like DJ LeMahieu, who improved, and they'd be like, look, Sean Casey fixed DJ LeMahieu. <laughs> so I'm just I'm just glad that we have totally avoided that. Yeah, we're what, not a dumb, dumb season. <laughs> just the dumbest season from start to finish. This was just this is like the flagship example of how dumb of a season it was. Right. They still they still promoted Tanner. What was the guy's name? Tanner, Tanner Lawson. They still use his hitting philosophy Tanner in the Swanson. minor leagues. Or, Tanner uh, Swanson. Uh, Dylan, Dylan Lawson. Dylan Lawson. <laughs> Dylan Lawson. What the hell is his name? I catcher's coach. Dylan okay, Lawson. Sorry about that. A lot, lot of Lawsons. Yeah. They still use his hitting philosophy in the, in the minor leagues. So it's not like they just hired Sean Casey out of the booth in Secaucus, New Jersey. And now all of a sudden they have to figure out, like, hey, Sean Casey, what's your hitting philosophy? Because we want to teach you these coaches. Sean Casey's like, oh, my God, I need to get one of those. No, no, no. I'm just going to go home. I'm going to be spend time with my daughters. You're asking me to do some work. Not interested. I'll go back to TV. Yeah, also, I don't think it's any fun to be, like, a part of the Yankees right now from a coaching perspective. All the pressure. Everyone is ready to, like, slit your throat at the drop of a hat. It's like, this is not, this is not the time. The temperature is way too hot on the Yankees right now, so... But that does just mean that if you're part of the group that does eventually bring them to the top, you will be immortalized. So it's a uh, an interesting game you have to play. But I'm curious to see who they bring in to take Casey's job and how quickly he'll be scapegoated for all of the Yankees' problems. It's always the hitting coach. <laughs> it's always the hitting coach. Yeah, I mean, I, we haven't spoken about it, but you know, Boone will be returning, obviously. But, I mean, we knew that was coming Judge had a bunch of good things to say about Boone. Players love Boone. Sure, let him get this extra year. He's got multiple 100-win seasons. Him and I have the same dentist. Uh, so, you know, let's keep him around. Two good reasons. Which makes you wonder, though, like how, how long is Boone's leash next season? Being that he is in a, a final year of his actual contractual obligation, like how long is that leash? I mean, I would guess if, let's say, it's like an exact carbon copy and the Yankees are at the deadline and nearly 500, I would be surprised if Boone wasn't fired. I think that's fair. But as always, I don't know if I believe that anymore. Really? You think even in the contract year? I think he is. I think he's immortal. (laughs) Immortal Boone. Yeah, I mean, he's been through a ton fairly or unfairly kind of remains to be seen i mean he's had a lot of good seasons and uh but yes next year is going to be the true uh test of whether or not this past season was like a total crazy fluke or if things are just dead and gone for this organization at the moment in every year that boone has been the manager the yankees have either Gotten pantsed by a rival in the playoffs hmm. or not made the playoffs. So just uh, going through here, 2018 Red Sox, 2019 Astros, 2020 Rays, uh, 2021 Red Sox. Again. Red Sox. Wait, 2021 was the Red Sox? Yep. One game Wild playoff. Card, yeah. Duh. Wow, I totally blacked that season out. Uh, and then 
2022 Astros swept and then 2023 uh, totally missing the playoffs. So yeah, you're right. They've been pantsed every single year. By a rival. By by a bitter rival. I mean, the, even the the 2018, the Red Sox series was basically a gentleman sweep. Well, well, yeah. I mean, yes, but that game four sticks with me to this day. Yes, that was Gary almost Sanchez. Gary Sanchez. Yep, that was almost Gary Sanchez's moment in the sun. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that fly out plays on repeat in my brain. Honestly, on a, on an almost daily basis, I think about that. There's like a few fly out Yankee flyouts that I think about pretty often, but you know, at some point one of those has to leave the yard. Okay, so speaking of last year being totally freaking weird, uh, we enter part two of our audit of the Yankees audit. Uh, so as we all know, the Yankees are auditing how they do things in the organization, mostly from an analytical point of view. Today. Brendan Cuddy of The Athletic reported that the company conducting the Yankees audit of their analytics is a company by the name of Zealous Analytics. So self-explanatory enough, this is an analytics company that basically helps teams uh, use their data to make certain decisions. They were founded by a bunch of former baseball front office employees I think they used to work for the Dodgers. I think they currently help the Dodgers in their analytics department. Um, So the Yankees have hired them effectively to uh, view how they crunch their numbers in terms of player performance, in-game decision-making, and much more according to a league source. You know, Toe's obviously not here, but I think Toe and I have shared a very similar sentiment on this, which is, a lot of this is eyewash. I would not at all be surprised if really nothing that tangible came of this, besides the fact that Steinbrenner has said something will come of it. I'm still not sold, and I do think a lot of this is like, look, we're trying. But don't be shocked when it's all done, and they're like, you know, turns out we do everything fine, and, you know, we hit like the fifth percentile outcome of bad luck that we could in the 2023 season. And we're going to make some additions this off season and go forward with what we have. Don't be surprised. And honestly, not even don't be surprised, but at least prepare yourself for that to be the scenario. Is that fair? Or if you absolutely guys totally fair. disagree huh. with me, please. No, absolutely. If we've learned anything the, about the Yankees is that they don't actually have the ability to look at themselves in the mirror and say, this is, these are the things that we really need to change. So I wholeheartedly expect it to be status quo coming into next season. They may get a tutorial as, as to how to look at numbers and how to digest those numbers and communicate those numbers, but there's not going to be anything of great substance that's going to change throughout this audit. Yeah, I, I don't have anything to add to this conversation. I, I think it's this. It's the whole thing is BS. <laughs> Great podcasting. We've got nothing to add. Nothing. Um, We're gonna put that on t-shirts. Nothing to add. Yeah. To I was a little quick on my description of the founders of Zealous. So if you're listening to this and you're like, that description of the founders of Zealous Analytics was terrible. So the co-founders both worked in the Dodgers front office. So one is Doug Fearing, who is the CEO of the company. 
he founded the Dodgers R&D department. And then the other co-founder, Dan Cervone, who is the company's principal data scientist, uh, was the Dodgers' former director of quantitative research. Uh, so two very mathy guys. So another thought that I have is that, you know, I, I, I think there's a world where like a lot of Yankee fans, or at least some were thinking like they were going to have not so much like an analytics company come in and tell them how to do analytics, but like more of like a consulting firm style thing where they're like, mm, you're relying too much on analytics. But, uh, but the more likely outcome here is that this zealous company is going to tell them how to do analytics better. Like, it's not like, it's not like, you know, Fred from Ronkonkoma is going to get his wish that they're throwing <laughs> out the analytics. So I think that aspect of this is pretty funny because it's like nothing's going to change analytically other than the processes. They're still going to rely heavily on that stuff, which they should be because the best teams in baseball do. Uh, but maybe this, you know, the expectations of what this was going to be are kind of bearing out a little differently than what people expected. No, I feel for Fred from Ron Konkuma. You know, some <laughs> days I wish they would just throw analytics out the door and just get back to good old-fashioned baseball. But, you know, Fred, those days are over. But what's interesting is that, you know, when you're talking about the Dodgers, those are obviously Andrew Friedman's guys. You know, that guy is an absolute genius. He's built a sustainable model for the Dodgers. And, you know, these guys that were that were analytics people, they figured they found a different way to monetize it, get out of baseball altogether from, you know, we could be fired and we could just teach people how to look at analytics better and, you know, we'll make a career out of doing that instead of just working for the Dodgers. So kudos to them for doing it. It, it is. It's always interesting to me when, like, someone, like, leaves a front office to go do something like this. Uh and I don't know exactly how many teams they're involved with and how many sports they deal with. I kind of only know their application to this, to the Yankees right now, uh, and their history with, uh, with the Dodgers. So I hope that whatever comes of, I almost hope that this is just eyewash, and that this is all you know, to create the illusion that something is being changed because you know god forbid the yankees were to ever be like hey let's just be dumber because as we've spoken about there does seem to be a growing divide in the yankees organizationally at least between like old school and new school like the high like the sabian hire the Manaya hire the sean casey hire all of it was very weird in the sense of like hmm the yankees are known as like this super data-driven team why are they hiring all these guys that we know are not that way so i think that aspect is is somewhat interesting and also it's clear that this audit is just only based on the analytics so whereas hal's talking about oh we're going to look at everything we do it, it appears that it's just going to be I think it's just like Hal's like, I have no idea what the analytics analytics department is actually doing. So I'm going to hire this company to look at what they're doing and then present it to me like I'm 12. And then Hal will make a decision at the end of the day of if he wants to do anything. But, you know, we've spoken a ton about how there's like the separation of like church and state and the Yankees organization. So hopefully this kind of like meshes them together a little bit, forcing Hal to get into the spreadsheets. Well, yeah, and... 
thinking about our good friend Fred from Ron Conco, it makes you wonder, like, if the Yankees have the gi- this giant, robust analytics department, how is the data spitting out that they should in any way, shape, or form get Josh Donaldson? Like, how are these numbers lining up to we should definitely acquire Josh Donaldson? Screw his baseball history. Everybody hates him. Six teams gave up, gave up on him. We should absolutely digest that $50 million from the Twins, happily do so, and go about our day. Like, who is who is the math wizard that signed off on that deal? Well, you know what's super interesting? And another, it's, you know, these are former Dodgers guys, obviously. The Dodgers do a lot of things that the Yankees do. Remember, the Dodgers took on Heaney after he was a Yankee, and Heaney was pretty good for them. The Dodgers also took on a washed-up Jason Hayward and made him serviceable. The the Dodgers also took on a washed-up Albert Pujols and made him serviceable. A washed-up J.D. Martinez. So, like, the Donaldson types, they're also in on. So, clearly, there might actually just be a connection between what the two teams are doing, which, you know, I thought was interesting. So, but maybe that's the way they should do it. They just, like, tell the Yankees analytics department, all right, sit us down and show us how you got to Josh Donaldson. That's what I want to know. How did show show me that show me that map on the train station that allowed us to arrive at deal to to go from trading Gary Sanchez and say yes, we will absolutely take on Josh Donaldson. I want to know that I want to know that deal. Yeah, and then we can go from there. Um, but it is crazy, you know, everyone that I've spoken to, that's a Yankee. It's like, you know, you're like, oh, you Yankee fan. Yeah. And the next thing is that comes up is the analytics stuff. It's, it's, it's crazy how much of a scapegoat analytics have become. And I think my fear is that we let that is allowed to like seep into the organization to a level where they're just like dumb about it. That's my concern. Cause I'm very pro being data driven in baseball because Teams that have won are. So I'm just hoping uh, Hal holds strong and listens to the smart people in the room and not the Randy Levines and Lontrosts of the world. Coles, I agree with everything you said in your analysis of the possible results of this audit, except for the last thing you said, which was that you said something, 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 X and Y and Z, and then Hal will make a decision. Mm. That is the part I don't agree with. I True. How's not much of a decision maker? I don't think he does anything. I don't think he <laughs> makes any decisions. Well, All he does is just like hang out with Boone and seemingly be cool, awesome friends with him. Yeah, no, he I takes actually, he takes Judge and Cole, he takes. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, he takes Aaron Judge and uh, Garrett Cole out to lunch once a month. They get sushi. It's great. So I actually wish that were the case. I wish Hal Steinbrenner weren't the one making too many decisions. I wish Hal Steinbrenner didn't want to give DJ LeMahieu the six-year, $90 million contract. I wish Hal Steinbrenner wanted to throw a ton of money at Corey Seager. I wish Hal Steinbrenner said, no, we are going to go get Bryce Harper. No, no, to be, no. To be clear, I think Hal makes the decisions about how much money will be spent. Yeah, yeah, okay, sure. But not. But in terms of actual baseball decisions, I don't think he's involved in any of that. I don't think we've talked about this before. I don't think he likes baseball. Oh yeah, I mean we know he does. there's just no. No, he's, he he's got no no love for baseball. So he in terms of the in terms players. of the in terms of the analytical ramifications, I don't even think he understand. I don't even think he would be able to understand the first thing about these decisions that these zealous guys are going to make. 
Yeah. I don't think he's involved with that. I don't think he understands it. I don't think he likes it. And well, yeah, so I think that right there to... is kind of that's part of the problem. Is yeah, that he's I mean, looking so much to of just what cash they're going to have to checks. do is to is to is to make this digestible to Hal. But yeah, I think a lot of this is Hal, you know, reads the paper, listens to what people say, cares about his reputation. You know, at the end of the day, he might not care about baseball, but he does care about what people think about him, what people think about the organization that he owns. So because he is getting so much heat, he's having someone do something about it. And I think you're right. Maybe Maybe. he's not going to be the one to, like, end up changing anything and making a decision because he's got no idea. But I hope that he's able to make to let I I basically hope he lets the smart people in the room and the baseball people in the room decide what's best. Wait, you know what troubles agree, me about but... that, Coles? Sorry to interrupt. Who are the smart baseball people, though? Is it Brian Cashman who did pass on even entertaining Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, but he arrived at at Josh Donaldson and Joey Gallo? Like, who exactly are these smart baseball people? Like, yes, we we give Brian Cashman a lot of credit for a lot of the good bullpen moves that he makes. But a lot of the actual baseball trades that he makes end up being terrible. Like, who are the who are these smart people that we're hoping to have a have a prominent seat at the table? Like, that's what I'm yeah. that's what I worry about. I'm talking I'm talking mainly about like these zealous people. Like, let these zealous yeah. people tell you what you got to do because you're hiring them. You might as well listen to them. Um, and they're that's pretty fair. non they're pretty non bias and. You know, if this isn't going to be all for show, then listen to these guys if they have something to say. It's basically what I'm saying. Don't let this yeah. just be like, hey, we hired this company to come in and look at everything. Look at what we're doing. But make it like, well, yeah, we hired this company and they're going to tell us what we need to change and we're actually going to change it. I, But I even think with regard to Hal's concern for his reputation, I'm still not even entirely sure what where his priorities are at because this is the man who famously – Asked the fan, asked the media why the fans were angry <laughs> when the team was mired in fourth place and a dozen games out of the out of the division lead. Yeah. Like good. if he cared, if he if if his only concern was for his own, for it was for the way the fans see him, you definitely wouldn't go out and say something like that. Yeah, I mean, that's almost like the company line, though, right? Like the company line is. When you, things aren't going well, just say it'll get better. And then when it finally is impossible and has no option of getting better, you're like, eh, we tried. Well, he didn't even so say, I mean, that was what was crazy is he didn't even say it's going to get better. He said it's fine. And anyone <laughs> who thinks it's not fine is is crazy. That's yeah, that, that was that was really that was the the that was the point at which I reached my point of no return with regard to Hal's stewardship of the franchise, because at that moment he made it very clear that things could go as badly as humanly possible for them to go. And he was still going to go forward with, well, why, why is everyone so upset? Like, seriously, you guys you guys have a problem? That was yeah, his response. Don't, don't the chicken buckets to a calamity. taste good? You guys don't like it's the like, chicken buckets anymore? It's like that scene in Animal, Animal House at the end when everything is just going off the rails and Kevin Bacon is standing there screaming, all is well, all is well. That, that's exactly what it brings up for me when it comes to Hal Steinberg. Like you're 100 percent right. Like he he doesn't care so much about how his money gets spent. He just cares more about how much of it gets spent, and that's yes. that's that's what bothers me about him. And the fact that I'm not sure if he's just clueless or he doesn't understand how to talk to the media. Like I guess when you wake up 
when you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth and baseball isn't really your thing, that you have to kind of learn how this stuff works and why the fans are pissed off. And for 15 years, he hasn't really... Right, exactly. For 15 years, he's been clueless. Yeah, and another thing is, like, all of Hal's moves where he does spend a lot of money are really predictable. Like, think back to all of the big money they've given out. It's been obvious they were going to do that. Starting with Cole, or starting with Stanton, really. Um, But, like, starting with Stanton when all of his trade stuff was starting. And then you get to Garrett Cole, and then Judge's extension, and then obviously they were going to get Carlos Rodon. It's like... And then obviously they were going to extend DJ LeMayhew for a ton of money. And of course they were going to bring back Rizzo last year. So yeah. make the move that's on this, this offseason. They're going to get Yamamoto. Like that, that's just going to happen, it feels like. But make the move that we're not expecting. Like, like make the move Juan for Juan Soto. <laughs> yeah, make the move for Juan Soto. And I, I guess that's where we conclude is like the only way to fix all of this mess is to just be good. And the only way that's going to happen is by getting really good players. So I think they need to just nut up and do what they have to do to get Juan Soto on this baseball team. I don't care anymore. I don't I don't care about right. future anything. Having Juan Soto on this team would be awesome and it would make them better. And we wouldn't have to worry about this freaking left field carousel anymore that included Jake Bowers and Billy McKinney and IKF, and my uncle, like, all these people. It's like, no, figure this shit out. Get the best player in baseball, or one of, and try to win. Just do it. That's all you got to do. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but at least you tried. But right now, it's like they're failing, but it doesn't feel like they're doing everything they can to be the best team that they can be. But no, now they, the they weren't. They went from. They had a team that had a below average offense in 2022, and they did not do anything. Exactly. To prove it. They did nothing. That's why the season went as badly as it did. Because in 2022, one player had one of the five greatest offensive seasons in history, and the next year he didn't. But that was the only thing that changed between the two. Look, if, if us three dummies could sit up here last season and tell you, what do the Yankees need to do this offseason? They need to get a left fielder. And if they don't, it's going to be an issue. And then they don't do that. And then it's a problem for the entire season. I left out Aaron Hicks in that original rant that included my uncle. Just nip that in the bud, end it, and move forward with Juan Soto. I, like, I'm very, I'm usually, like, anti, like, one player can fix a lot of your problems. But in this situation... The Yankees pitching is good. Bullpen's great. They do have the best player in baseball in Aaron Judge. Who, if he doesn't get injured this year, probably hits 50 homers again. Easily, yeah. Probably, the Yankees probably make the playoffs in area if Aaron Judge doesn't get injured because they win more games leading up to the trade deadline and make moves to actually improve their team. Instead of doing nothing and not making a decision... But now is the chance. Put all of that behind you. Make a damn decision and say, we're the Yankees. Let's go for it. 100% right. Pay, pay the price to go get Juan Soto. I don't care what that cost is. I Just do it. Let's go, Cash. Yeah. And I want to have fun watching the Yankees next year, too. <laughs> right. I want to go on Fanatics and get my Juan Soto Yankee shirt. I want to yeah. do it. It, just, it hasn't been like fun to be a Yankee fan. You're right. In like I a miss year being and a half. obnoxious. 
Yeah. It's not obnoxious. Did you say it was obnoxious last? No, no, I, I miss being obnoxious. Right. I miss it. I miss, I miss being, being, troll being I miss being the death, the the evil empire that we claim to be. I'm ready to right. be the asshole in the room again. And that happens if you just go out, you get Yamamoto, you, you get Juan Soto. And if it crashes and burns, at least you tried. No more of this, oh, we have seven outfielders, so we can't sign Bryce Harper. No. <laughs> I don't care no. what Everson Pereira is going to do. He's not going to be Juan Soto. I don't care. I don't, don't fucking care. I don't, I don't care. Buy him I mean, a nice Brett Gardner, so we can't sign Bryce Harper. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't care anymore. I'm, I'm Bryce sick Harper of it. can't play first base. I'm, I'm sick of it. And oh, I'm yeah. Yeah, remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. remember, remember that, that? thing? There he was I, yeah. in the NLCS. I want to see Bryce Harper, or I want to see Aaron Judge and Juan Soto back-to-back in a lineup together. Just, just make it happen. Just please. But, yeah, Big Bad Yankees. Let's get back to 2009. Do it. I don't care. Oh, that was such a great offseason. They landed CeCe, AJ Burnett, and Mark Teixeira. Oh, that yeah. was so glorious. I love everything on that. And Swisher. And, yeah. And it's like you're just doing things that make you an, a, a juggernaut of a team. You do shit the Yankees do. That's what they do. They go get Yamamoto. They go get Juan Soto. They get whoever the fuck they want, and they don't care what house budget is going to yes. be. Yes. Be Take that, analytics nerds. Be the team that everyone <laughs> hates. Buy the players. Be rich and spend your money and win. I think we've gotten all of that off our chest. Anything else before we sign off here? Nope, not at all. This is perfect. Great. Well, if you enjoyed listening, please turn on notifications so you don't miss an episode. Leave a five-star review. really helps with you know the reach of the podcast. Share it with your family and friends. If you want to give us a follow on Twitter, you can at Pinstripe Purse. Uh, you can follow Les at Les Williams 23. You can follow Matt at MC Gerald 14. And you can follow myself at OrColes0206. Cito uh, is on a business trip of sorts, but you can follow him at underscore Cito. He'll be back with us, not next week, but the week after. Um, thank you all for listening. And without further ado, Go Yanks.